Welcome to Demogranomics, your insight to the powerful surprises ahead for the US economy. Demogranomics, where people make markets. And now, here is Mike Williams. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, today, we're going to call this a steady hand. You know, when I was a kid, my teen years were focused on ocean racing and sailboats. I grew up in Charleston and we had yacht clubs like Boca has golf clubs. I could spend weeks covering experiences I had out on the ocean, which ended up teaching me much about life and oddly enough, the best route through markets at times. Two things often come to mind as we look back over the last 20 months of CHOP. It's not the surface, it's the current, i.e. mapping out the best race strategy when I was a kid. The other thing is keep a steady hand on the wheel, especially during storms. Back in the 80s, the media business model was to deliver information. Today, with hundreds of thousands of blogs and sites and internet stops and cable outlets to deliver what is almost always the same information. The model now is, quote, to get your attention. That's the surface, my friends, not the current. The chatter, the noise, the emotional bend to the next is the roller coaster ride that keeps so many plans off track, large and small. The shock your senses headline business is often right in sync with a consistently failing success ratio for the investing public. One not need rely on these notes as confirmed. Just check the data and you will find the average investor has seen their success ratios drop steadily over the last 20 years as more and more data became available to them through the quote news. Sadly, there's been a significant amount of focus on the surface stuff and not enough focus on the current. I'll get back to the current later in the podcast. I call this shenanigans. Emotions are a tricky thing and they get us all at times, trust me here, facing 50-foot swells and 70-knot winds in the middle of the ocean at night will teach you just how important keeping a steady hand on the wheel can be. Back then, it wasn't about a lower, a lower account balance at the end of the week. It was about actually living through it. How is it that very sharp people can listen to day after day of experts drone on and on about the various levels of doom that await us and then buy into it? How can one logically look at the GDP growth curve that we have had and assume things are bad? How can we assume that 2% growth, called paltry, on an $18 trillion economy base is somehow crappy, triggering a move to hedge away much of the hard-earned gains ahead? Let me give you a snapshot of things. In 1982, when I started... The GDP was $6.4 trillion, growing at what we called a very healthy pace back then. It was 4%. If you multiply all that out, that's $240 billion of new real dollars of output. Today, we stand at $18.2 trillion in GDP output, growing at what we're told is a paltry 2%. Strangely enough, that is $360 billion of new output each year. By the way, that is far more 
than the $240 billion in 1982's example. But it's funny how numbers can fool us, right? These are the things we must continue to review in ourselves as we trek up the lifelong mountain of building wealth for the next generation. The mountain does not leave. It does not get smaller. The steps don't get easier. And the breathing gets worse the higher you get. The trick is this. Once accepted as a part of the process toward the success we all strive for, the mind adjusts and the reactions shift as our perspectives allow us to stay more calm. I'm always amazed at how the constant stench of fear under the surface blinds too many to what actually unfolds. The fear of another tech bubble, another housing bubble, another crude oil bubble, another 2009 or 1987, or even another Great Depression blinds the audience constantly to the facts of history. I'm going to give you some stats from Stern Business School. You can go on the web. You can simply Google S&P 500 Earnings Stern Business School, and you will get a long list. I'm going to give you some numbers for a second. In 1982, earnings from the S&P 500 were $13.82. Dividends were $6.93. In 1987, when things crashed, earnings were $16.04 and dividends were $9.17. In 1994 and 1995, when we had Clinton in charge and we had a two-year plan in the market where the market went nowhere, there was constant fear of a double-dip recession to follow up the one we had in the early 90s. Much like we have now, we have a constant fear that a double dip is assured. Except right after 1995, the market went straight up for five years. Here's the deal. In 1995, while we were afraid of all that, we clipped out earnings in the S&P 500 of $37.70 and dividends of $14.17. In 2003, at the end of that terrible bear market as the tech bubble burst, we had earnings of the S&P 500 of $54.69, dividends of $17.88. You do realize, by the way, all of these numbers are increasing over time, even though our fears got worse. In 2009, that dipped all the way back down after years of growing to $56.00 and 86 cents. We had dividends in 2009 of $22.31. By the way, that was the only year other than 2001 that we dipped from the year before. 2010, we were back on track, and here's the interesting part. 2015, we have earnings up to $106.32 and dividends, get this, of $43.16. So as of right this moment, we can look back to 1982 when I began, when we combined, if you owned all of the S&P 500, all of it, you would have earned $13.82 and $6.93 of dividends for all of those shares. Today, you would earn 10 times that. 
and every single thing that we're afraid of happened while all that growth went on. Imagine instead you and I were sitting in the middle of, say, the real estate-driven recession in the early 90s. Earnings were under 20 bucks for that year. Bankers were getting arrested. The Fed was busy sweeping up over 1,500 bank and SNL failures. That's 1,500 banks and SNLs closing their doors. And real estate values, well, they were crumbling everywhere. Remember, that's the early 90s. In light of that time, were you and I to have grabbed a cup of coffee, what would you have thought of me if I told you, quote, hey, Bob, sure looks pretty cruddy out there. The future is dim. But you know, the odds are high that we're going to see earnings in the S&P 500 well over $100 a share in 25 years, unquote. Think about that. If I'd have told you that back then, I suspect we both know what our minds would have tricked us into believing at the time. That's the same thing we're doing here, by the way. We just wrapped up another earnings season, and I wanted to give you an example of how things can throw you off when they shouldn't. It's a nail-biter these days with high-frequency trading and overnight action and headlines by the minute the risk management mechanisms which have been created in this innate assumption that we will all end badly somehow keeps growing. Investors have lost sight of the normal process we should expect as adult long-term investors in the world of business. The wise sages over time have taught us well, but we are at times very poor students. I can't show you this chart that I'm staring at, but it's a chart of quarterly earnings per share and the percentage changes from the quarter before. Okay? I wanted to think about in that section. Just as I learned in the middle of the ocean during some of the worst storms we hit in the middle of the night, like everything in investing, context is key. So imagine you were looking at this jagged chart of change, the, the quarterly change, quarter over quarter, as earnings were announced by a company. See, a lot of people want it to be the same or growing every quarter. That is never going to happen. Were you and I to hand this chart out at our investment committee meeting this week? The message would be clear as too many shoved it aside for better ideas. The chart is a mess. It's volatile. There's not two months that look steady over 25 years. It is clear there is no discernible pattern of consistent growth. Shockingly, one of our quants would tell us, you realize that earnings have declined from the previous period in 41% of all quarters? A quick snapshot look shows us, too, that a big rise in quarterly earnings was more likely to be followed by a big plunge than another rise. Hence, no consistency. You can imagine the news headlines that came out after this company's earnings reports. A quick search after I tell you which company it is will show you quite a few over the last 25 years. Here's a few that I read. Earnings plunge. 
Another one, earnings decline as management continues to disappoint. How about this one? Profits surge. This was good. Is XX unstoppable? Another headline asked. That was all within a span of three years. Itself a lifetime these days, right? The company, by the way, well, it's Microsoft. Its earnings per share increased 29 times over during this 25-year period. And its stock was up 3,000%. Yet, I remind you, that earnings declined from the previous period 41% of all those quarters, almost one out of two. Now you understand why people get thrown off the horse that we call the market. Things successful long-term investors have accepted, even though they can and will be discomforting at times, are as follows. There is no such thing as a stable quarterly profits section. Outside of fraud, a cartel, or maybe a state-run monopoly, 90 days is simply too short a period for any business to avoid the normal swings of random chance or execute a new strategy that will pay off with new profits farther down the road. Some sort of predictability and stability in earnings over a two to three year period is important, but the 90 day dance borders on trivial. Even among the most successful businesses, as we've just pointed out on Microsoft, profits are no different from stock returns. Amid large gains over time, we can expect big ups and downs. This type of blindness, by the way, is what has caused us all to continue to call this recovery the weakest on record. By the way, this same weak recovery has added $4 trillion to our annual GDP since 2009. A small percentage on a very big number repeated for years adds up to a ton of growth. Speaking of earnings, we have another quarter away from a full round trip of the worst fears and numbers set in the energy sector. Once this cloud rolls off, the horizon will surprisingly shift and the new trend will be upward from a very strong platform given the pause we have built over the last 20 months. The good news ahead, earnings are looking up as the latest data from Dr. Ed shows us. Recall that S&P forward earnings rose to a record high during the week of October 9, 2014, but they've stalled just below that number since. However, the forward revenues of the S&P 400 remains on an uptrend and the comparable series for the S&P 600, those are being the small caps, has been rising into record territory since mid-2015. The forward earnings of the S&P 500, 400, and 600 have been stalled at record highs since the second half of 2014 as oil prices tripped and the dollar soared. However, As covered in recent podcasts, all three have turned up in recent weeks. Strangely enough, the forward earnings now for large caps 
are just 2.9% below the record highs. Mid-caps are at a record high for the first time since January 2015. And the small caps? Well, they're less than four-tenths of a percent below their October 2015 record. The message? Pray for a summer swoon and be ready to take advantage of it. I'm going to close with the ideas on the current. We talked about the surface stuff. Let's talk about the current underneath. Like it or not, the U.S. is set for years of surprising growth ahead. Our demographics confirm this, and those will not change. More importantly, they will get better as time marches on when compared to the rest of the world. We must stand back and step beyond the blindness we all suffer from sometimes as news and emotions make us react. The examples noted in this podcast are just a drop in the bucket. Speaking of the members area, we get a lot of questions on the barbell economy portfolio. Why does it not correspond with the market? I learned long ago that to exceed market results over time, one must do something different from the masses. One must pay attention to something different than the mainstream. There are no fancy tools used, no magic leverage or hedging at all. It's all very transparent for member benefits. The results over time come from two things, I suspect. Staying focused on the current and not the surface events. And finally, keeping a steady hand on the wheel. As always, hope this has helped. Thanks for your time today on the podcast. We're always very grateful for the time you spend with us. Let us know if we can ever help. And until we see you the next time, may your journey be grand and your legacy significant.